upon the throne and unto the Lamb be praise and glory wisdom and thanks honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever be to our God forever and ever be to our God forever and ever Amen and we Welcome to Preston Crest. It's so great to see everyone here this morning, and we're thankful that each of you have chosen to worship with us this morning, whether you're here live or on in, uh, virtually. I am Stephen Miller, one of the elders here at Preston Crest, 
And this is a church that is an incredible faith community that strives to love God and love others wholeheartedly. If you are visiting with us, we're particularly glad that you are here, and we hope that you give us a chance to meet you after church. If you are a first-time visitor, please take an attendance card that's in the pew back, front, in, pew back in front of you and complete it and take it back to the uh, Welcome Center and receive a gift as a, as a gift of gratitude for your attendance. As we do each week, we, uh, we ask our members and our registered returning re- visitors to t- text the word CHECK-IN to 469-476-5331 as it lets us know who all has joined us, whether in person or virtually. There are a couple events we would like to highlight and provide information to you this morning. As you may have noticed entering worship, the PCYG Fajita fundraiser is in full swing this morning as our youth are raising funds to send almost 100 students and sponsors to Guatemala and inner city Oklahoma City this summer. We invite you to join them for lunch as well as be served by these great young adults who plan to serve in mission fields this summer. If you're unable to attend, they have takeout if you want to take that home with you, or they would just appreciate any donation you feel compelled to give. As has been mentioned before, one month from today on March 27th, it is our 50th anniversary here at Preston Crest. Please be advised that we will have just one worship service beginning at 10 a.m., and there will be no Bible classes. That will be followed by a catered lunch here at the building. There will be nursery and children's church for children for ages four and under. So please spread the word to former members and others who have been part of this community over the years. We look forward to the day honoring our past and looking forward to our future, recognizing this congregation has been richly blessed because of him. Now, as we enter worship this morning, we want to acknowledge the invasion of Ukraine by Russia and the unrest, uncertainty, an unnecessary loss of life that is occurring. I will be praying specifically about this situation momentarily. But before we pray, hear these words from Hebrews 4, 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let's pray. Father, just thank you for this time together this morning. We acknowledge you as the creator, provider, and one true God over all things. We are so thankful we can approach you in prayer this morning with confidence to receive your mercy and to find your grace. I want to thank you for this community of believers who worship and serve here at Preston Crest. We thank you for their commitment to following your teachings and the encouragement, support, and love they show each other and in our community. Father, we trust and rely on you. This morning, we ask you to heal those who are struggling with their health, looking for jobs, grieving from recent loss, or just have other needs. Father, may we lean heavily into you in trying times and turn our anxieties and fears into deeper faith. Father, this morning, we are troubled by the events occurring in Ukraine. We pray for those who are currently living in fear that you may grant them peace. We pray that the voices for discernment and peaceful solutions may prosper. Lord, we ask, we, raise up, we ask you to raise up the peacemakers on all sides that war, violence, and loss of life may cease. 
Father, give diplomats wisdom, understanding to build trust. And Father, we ask for boldness for the church and the nations involved, that they may be salt and light in a dark situation. Now, Father, I pray that you will bless this worship as we respond, showing our deep gratitude for you, for what you have done and what you will do in our lives. We thank you for Jesus, and it is in his holy name that we offer this prayer. Amen. Thanks, Stephen. We fall down, we lay on the
into our time of communion. We're going to sing one more song, and then Davis Liebel is going to lead us this morning around the bread and around the cup. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, Here in the 
morning. So when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to say up here this week, um, I was trying to think, I was like, it needs to be a big story. It needs to be something really important and really big. And I was getting frustrated because I couldn't think of anything. And so um, I decided to just keep it simple. And that's when it kind of hit me that that's why I'm up here. There's a simple truth that we all need to remember. And it's that a perfect God sent his perfect son to die for a bunch of imperfect people. I mean, that's why I'm up here. That's what we're remembering right now, that we are saved because of Jesus' sacrifice to us. We don't deserve it. We never will. But we still have it, and we are still saved, and we are still loved by a Father that we don't even come close to comparing. So that's my challenge. Just remember, as you take this bread, as you take this cup, remember that we are saved because of a sacrifice that we don't deserve. Bow with me. God, we are humbled by your love and by your affection. God, there is nothing in this world that we can do to deserve you. I just pray that we remember that, that you fill our hearts with overwhelming joy and peace, knowing that no matter what we have done, you still love us and we are still saved. God, I pray that we can lift you up and put you first in everything. As we take this bread, let us remember that it was your son that you sacrificed on that cross to die for us. Amen.
Dear Heavenly Father, as we take this cup, let us remember it's the blood that was spilt. God, let us reach out to others. Let us reach into you. Let us be filled with your spirit and your love and your joy because we have every reason to rejoice every second of our day. God, I pray that we can remember that. And I just pray that we are filled with your spirit and we are filled with the love of you and others around us that you created in your image, God. Amen. If you are visiting with us this morning and you're looking for the perfect church, you're going to need to look somewhere else because we are a church full of imperfect people. Some of us are a hot mess. And yet here we are. Still loving each other still doing life, still doing church, and praising our God. It's good to be together. If you want to give this morning, you can drop your offering in the box in the foyer. You can also give online, several options there. Uh, one of the great works that your offering helps to support is PC 101. You'll hear a little bit more about that. But basically, PC 101 is the portal in which you belong here. It's the portal in which you place your membership with us here. You also find out how to get connected, better connected with other ministries and, and classes here. But let's pray. Father God, thank you for how you guide us and show us And you remind us that we are not perfect. But we who have taken on your name, Jesus, we're saved. And you promise us that before our Father, you will make us clean. 
you will present us as spotless. Thank you. Thank you. God, you are Lord over our lives. You are Lord over other countries. You are Lord over economies. And so we continue the prayer that we started earlier this morning for Ukraine. For Christian brothers and sisters that are struggling. Struggling to survive. Father, I pray that what is given today will, will spread your name, not just in this local neighborhood, but in far away places. And that your peace and your lordship will reign, not just in this country, but throughout the world. That's what we pray for. Thank you for PC 101 and what it means to us and how it invites us to belong, to be a family. Hear our prayer. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. kids on up to Children's Church. We're going to sing a song, and then Gordon's going to come share with us this morning. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. It's time to sing your 
All right, yeah. So PC 101 next Sunday. Uh, by the way, all those, all those images of people dining on luscious fare, we don't really do that anymore. Uh, we will have coffee and we will have donuts. So there you go. But if you need some of that food, I'll order a pizza for you or something next week. If that, if that will get you to PC 101. Uh, so that's our place where you can place membership, learn more about the church. Uh, so we'd love to see you there. Just walk on over uh, at 1045. We'll get started next week. Um, uh, Ukraine has been on, I think, a lot of our, all of our minds probably this week and just kind of burdening us with prayer and just caring for those folks. I remember when I was a kid, my hometown church, that was, that was our place. That was our mission field, the Ukraine. Our preacher was going over there all the time, lived over there for a time. I even remember names of those brothers and sisters in Christ that would come over and visit us. And my dad went over there on a, on a campaign trip and, and we're, we are involved and we're, in communication at Preston Crest with our people over there. We've heard from Sasha and Victoria who work in the Ukraine, have for years. They're okay, uh, but they are in Kiev, in Kiev. So that's, uh, we want to keep Sasha, Victoria, and their family in our prayers. He used to be the preacher in Donetsk, which we remember in 2014, the Russians rolled in there or their surrogates did, and now he's in Kiev and they're rolling in there. So we just pray for the safety of those members. We, we're in contact with uh, someone we sent some money to a couple of weeks ago, uh, one of our people, Roman in Slovenia, and they're going to be helping us uh, with refugee support and Dino and Debbie will as well. Anyway, just a lot of people to think about and our hearts go out to to those folks there. And uh, we just pray that God will do something and change some hearts and uh, get things back where they need to be. This is our final week in the Belong series. We've been talking about the church. There's a story uh, that's told of a guy from the city who was out in the country, on the country roads. Uh, kind of rained a lot. It's kind of muddy out there. And his SUV slid off into a ditch and he wasn't able to get it out. Uh, so he saw a farmhouse up on the top of the hill, walked up there, knocked on the door. Old farmer answered the door and he said, sir, could you help me out? My SUV got stuck in a ditch down there. Do you have a tractor perhaps? And the farmer said, oh, my tractor's broke, hadn't worked in years, but I do have an old mule, Roy, who might be able to help. And the guy said, I don't know, man, it's really stuck in there. I don't know if a mule is going to be able to pull me out of that ditch. And he said, well, you don't know Roy. Roy is really strong. So the three of them, the two gentlemen and the mule, walked down the hill to where that that vehicle was stuck and the farmer hooked old Roy up to that vehicle and then standing up on the road started, started saying, Roy, pull, pull. And that mule strained and pulled with all that he had and, and that car did not budge. And so he said, this time he, he came back and he said, okay, blue, you pull, you pull, blue, pull. And it moved a little bit and finally, that old farmer said, Elmer, pull, pull, Elmer. And finally, that car started sliding and was pulled all the way up on top of the road. And that gentleman from the city said, thank you, thank you, thank you. That mule really is stronger than I thought. But I have a question. Why does that mule have three names? And the farmer said, well... Old Roy is completely blind, can't see a thing. And if he thinks he's the only one pulling, he's not able to do it. 
But when he believes he's yoked to a team of other mules, suddenly he finds the energy that he didn't know he had. And that is kind of us in the church, right? I mean, we are not alone. <laughs> Jesus has, has yoked us together. And so we can pull through anything with the help of the Spirit, the bond of the Spirit that we enjoy and the brothers and sisters who surround us. And so Ephesians chapter 4, Paul talks to this church in Ephesus about the things that that hold them together, the things that yoke them together as people. They have one Lord, they have one God, they have one faith, they have one baptism, and he tells them that it is the bond of the Spirit that holds them together, chapter 4, verse 3. So God is in his church working around us, in us, and through us. So this morning, we're going to consider some words that Jesus had to say to that same church, that church in Ephesus. They are words of comfort and encouragement. They are also words of, of, of challenge, of conviction. These are from the book of Revelation chapter 2. Jesus penned or, or gave seven letters to different churches around the ancient world. Here goes the words to Ephesus, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him, this is Jesus, who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you found them to be false. Good job. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Good job. I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works that you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. More about that later. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. Hmm. So Jesus is, is the great physician. You've heard that before, right? The great physician. Jesus, the great physician. And I read a passage like this, and honestly, those other letters to those churches in the book of Revelation, and I see a physician performing the yearly checkup, performing the physical on these bodies of believers. And you know, I hope you, by the way, I hope you regularly see your doctor. I hope you do a yearly physical. I think that's a good idea. I did mine recently, and it's always the same kind of thing that we, you know, you, you step on the scale. I always cringe a little bit at that. Uh, you get your blood pressure taken. They'll check your temp. They'll take some blood so that they can run some tests on, on that to see if there's anything going on that, that you need to be aware of. And what you want out of that physical is not simply for your doctor to try to make you feel good. Like, oh man, you are fantastic. You want to hear the truth, the good, the bad. You want to hear exactly what is going on with my body. And if you don't get that information, straightforward, honest, true information about the state of your health, then that visit is kind of, kind of, kind of worthless. And so, 
Jesus comes along and he speaks. And you heard the words he said. There's some good stuff. You're doing so well here. Keep that up. And there's some other stuff. We see some problems here that need, that need to be addressed. And so the great physician with great care and great concern for his beloved, not his patient here, but his bride, the church there, he speaks these words to her. By the way, as I'm working through that this week, this curious thought comes to me. How dangerous it can be, hear me out on this, to read the Bible. How dangerous it can be to regularly attend church. Both of those are excellent things. I would say essential things in the life of the disciple. But if the heart is off, and we do have a heart problem in Ephesus, Jesus' words. If the heart is off, if you've fallen from your first love, then ritual and routine can take the place of a real relationship with the Lord. They can become substitutes for what you once had. And we can satisfy ourselves, well, I'm reading the Bible all the time. I know a lot of stuff about the Word of God. I show up at church. We can satisfy ourselves with a facade of spiritual health when what's going on underneath is not, is not good at all. And so before we look at the lab results from Ephesus, from that church, before we study those, let's talk a little bit about the city. And I think it's important in this case to really think about the city of Ephesus. Why would we do that? Because it's a lot like our city. It really is. Ephesus was wealthy. Ephesus was impressive. Ephesus is that city in the ancient world where four great Roman highways intersected. So it was a market city just a couple of miles out of town. The harbor was one of the busiest on planet earth at that time. Beautiful avenues. In fact, some of us have been there and visited the the ruins of Ephesus. And I'll be totally honest with you. Those roads in Ephesus, to this day, 2,000 years later, have held up a lot better than some of the roads around my house. Now, I hear the roads in Plano are fantastic, but uh, it's amazing what, what they were able to accomplish. But those gorgeous temples and, and public buildings, they had a temple. This was kind of the, the thing you had to see if you went to Ephesus, the Temple of Artemis or Diana, same place. The temple of Artemis was four times the size of the great Parthenon in Athens. 127 pillars, many of them were overlaid with gold and encrusted with jewels. Just stunning. And the church, for much of its history, its history in Ephesus, had been stunning. Luke, in his history book, the the book of Acts, Luke records in great detail what that church looked like in its infancy. How so many of those Ephesian people had come to Jesus' heart and soul, not only paying lip service, not not just saying, I am a follower of Christ, but living that out. We find in the book of Acts chapter 19, verse 20, and I want these words to be true of us. Of this place, 
Paul writes, or, or uh, rather Luke records, the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. We want that to be true of us, right? Amen? The word of the Lord increased greatly and prevailed mightily. We want that in our marriages. We want that in our relationships. We want that in our ministries. We want that for our leaders. We want that in our city. The word of the Lord to increase and prevail mightily. So people had responded to the gospel, to the good news. They heard about Jesus and they're like, yes, this is the story I need. The salvation from my sins. This call to walk with God, to join in this kingdom of God movement. And fast forward now to the time Jesus is addressing this church. There is great danger for any group of Christians who think they've arrived. Decades after this passionate... By the way, this church in Ephesus is another parallel with us. About the same age as the Preston Crest Church of Christ when Jesus was addressing them in the book of Revelation. Probably they were a little bit younger, maybe 40, 45 years old as a church, were 50. But there is danger for any church that believes it's arrived decades after their passionate responses to the gospel of Christ, the establishment of that church in Ephesus we see some spiritual disease that is afflicting the body. So Jesus, I mean, he says, first of all, I got to praise you guys. There's a lot of good things going on here in Ephesus. But he also does need to point out where some urgent lifestyle changes needed to be made. So let's talk about this group. You're reading through that and you're like, the Nicolaitans, who are these people? Well, we don't know a lot of detail about those folks, this group, the Nicolaitans. What we do know from scholars is that they, had a, they, they, had, they were false teachers. They had some really off ideas about grace, okay? Like they believe we're saved by grace. That's true. But they believe because we are saved by grace, you can live any way you want to live. And so their teaching became this umbrella for people to practice immorality while claiming the name of Jesus. And Jesus himself says... Thank you, Ephesians, for standing up to those false teachers. Thank you for not putting up with the Nicolaitans. And so he has other good things to say. I mean, you heard these words in this checkup for the church in Ephesus. Um, he's, he's, you guys are a hardworking group. Uh, you're a church that gets a lot of stuff done. He used that word patient a couple of times. You've, you've borne up. You've held up under some trying circumstances. Lots of ministry happening. If they had a church bulletin, it would have been packed with all sorts of stuff going on. That is great. Way to go. You stood up to that group of false teachers. Way to go on that. Now for the concern. The concern, if I may, is kind of the great physician putting that stethoscope up to the heart of this church. And the concern was that heartbeat was very faint. Almost imperceptible. Underneath the surface of sound doctrine and 
constant service and ministry activity, we are told by Jesus in verse 4, I have this against you. You have abandoned the love that you had at first. You had it. It was there. Now not so much. The heart of the church of Christ is not her orthodoxy, is not her doctrine, is not her ministry or organizational structure. It is not her ministry programming. The heart of the church of Christ is her love. Love for the Lord. Love for people made in His image. It's passion for God, compassion for people. That's the heart beat of the church. Other things matter. Other things matter. But without love, the body of Christ, there's just not a heartbeat there. It's close to clinically dead. And so, the love that we have for the Lord and for each other, it drives our worship. It drives the work that we do to serve others. It drives our mission projects here in our mission field of Dallas-Fort Worth and beyond. So this one's really important. A congregation like this one in Ephesus, it can believe the right things, and teach the right things, take a stand against false doctrine, serve people through ministry, and still be experiencing a spiritual cardiac arrest. When it's not our love that shapes our attitudes, that shapes the way we speak, and that fuels what we do and how we worship, then it's so easy for all of this church stuff to become more and more about us, about people. By the way, one of our elders' wives, um, such a heart for God, this woman, she comes up to me a few weeks ago, I told John Scott about this, and she puts her hands on her shoulder, on my shoulders, and she's kind of trembling, and she said, Gordon, about this 50th anniversary celebration that's coming up later this month, I'm sure, or next month, I'm sure you've heard about it. She said, it has to be about God, not about the people. And she loves the people, but she knows it's because of God that we are where we are. And we don't want to fall away from that. We don't want to forget that. We don't want that heartbeat of what God has done and is doing and will do to grow faint and begin thinking only about our projects and our interests. So love is at the heart. Paul wrote about this a bunch. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, he names some pretty big spiritual deals. He says, so now faith Hope and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Does not hesitate to say. These are important, but there is one that is most important. 
And it is your love. He writes in chapter 8 of 1 Corinthians, verses 1 to 3, he talks about knowledge. He says, knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. I want to be known by God. So a disciple or an entire church may hold correct beliefs, may have knowledge, may have ministry activity happening left and right, and may be in spiritual cardiac arrest. That's what happens when our love grows faint. Remember, Jesus said, from where you have fallen. Remember the way you used to feel about me. Remember the way you used to worship with grateful hearts, realizing you'd been saved, that you'd been set free. You'd been released from captivity to the evil one. Remember the relationships that you had with each other and remember from where you have fallen and get back there. Paul is going to tell the Ephesians next door neighbors over in Galatia. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 6 he said, What is important is faith expressing itself in love. So awesome that you have sound doctrine and true beliefs. Fabulous. You need that. But what matters is that translating itself into love. Revealing itself in love. And that's what I cherish about what Jesus shared with the Ephesians. I love this. There is hope for us. Even when we, like the Ephesians, may be going through a spiritual dry spell. There is hope when that heartbeat has grown a little bit faint. Jesus is encouraging them clearly. He has not given up on his people in Ephesus. He says you can get back to that first love that you had in verse 4. You can get back to that. We can fall in love all over again and you can get back to the spirit of following me. And he gives three really practical keys to renewal. And I think these can be personal renewal or in this case congregational renewal. The first of these Jesus talks about is remember. And by the way, this is a call throughout the Bible. That word remember God is always calling his people to remember. In the Old Testament, remember how I delivered you from the Egyptians. Remember how I did this for you. Remember how I took care of you in the middle of the desert. Remember, remember, remember. Don't forget that. We fan the flames of our passion for God when we remember all that he has done. Remember how I died for you on the cross. Remember how I made it possible for you to be adopted into God's family. Remember. And so Jesus says, remember therefore, verse 5, from where you have fallen. Think about it. Where had they fallen from? Well, we know in Acts chapter 19, they had gone from these lives of disobedience. They had been, some of them, 
hooked up with demonic worship. Some of them had been involved in all of these occult kind of activities. We, we read that when they came to Jesus, they were so on fire for the Lord that they like piled up their books. Acts chapter 19, they piled up all of these sorcery books and occult things and they burned them. And Luke doesn't hesitate to tell us there was huge economic value to that bonfire they had. But it's like, we are not going to have anything to do with this darkness anymore. Now we belong to Jesus. They heard the good news. It sounded like good news. They responded to it. It saturated their thinking, their attitudes, their behaviors. When Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, remember his simple words, do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget me. In all of the good things that you do, in all of the worship services you attend, in all of the verses you read out of the Bible, remember me. I'm at the heart of your faith. The second thing he tells them to do is repent. We remember, we repent. Repent is to turn. Repent is a change of, of mindset, metanoia, change of mind. Repent is realignment with God and we all get out of alignment from time to time. I love what Martin Luther said, repentance is not a one-time thing, it is a constant thing in the life of believers. We're always moving back and adjusting and confessing. He says, repent, verse 5, and do the works you did at first. And I can't help but jump to our day all of a sudden here because I don't know all of the stuff that they were struggling with there, what exactly they needed to get back to. Jesus doesn't spell all of that out. But I was thinking about us and the pandemic, how hard it has been. I mean, there aren't words, right? It's just funny to even say, the pandemic has been disruptive. Uh, yeah, yeah, it has. And I wonder if there's things that people have gotten away from that they need to get back to. By the way, I love seeing the body of Christ physically, in person, together again. I am so glad that we are getting back to that. That was one of those things. I was talking to someone the other day, a Christian, who was just telling me, hey, I just, during the pandemic, I started drinking too much. And so we prayed about that. And I'm holding this person accountable. We're working on this, but it's repentance. It's what's your thing, you know? Either you got yourself into something or you got away from it. What is your thing that Jesus is calling you back to or he's calling you away from? Renewal is there. Renewal is being responsive to the Lord. And then the final thing, I, I receive receive. We are open to receiving from God. He tells the Ephesian church in verse 7, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to who? Says to us, says to the churches. Obviously, Bible reading is an important spiritual habit, one that we are emphasizing in the year 2022 asking everyone here to read through your Bible this year. But let me ask you something. Is it possible to read those words on a page, to read your daily Bible reading and not hear? 
the people who Jesus argued with the most during his earthly ministry were the people who knew the Bible best, right? The Pharisees, the scribes, they were devoted to those words on the scrolls. They knew it. They had that knowledge, 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 and they didn't hear. They weren't listening. And so I would just challenge you practically. This is so simple that I want to challenge you to do. If you're reading scripture or you're going to start the, maybe you need to start the daily Bible reading. I would challenge you as you go through those, sometimes there's two, three, four chapters a day. Don't just read here. Is there a word that the Spirit puts on your heart from that reading? Is there a phrase? Is there an idea that jumps off the page? Pay attention to that. Slow down. Listen and receive the word of the Lord for your life. He still speaks to us. So may the Lord Jesus invigorate our common faith. May the Lord Jesus enliven the Preston Crest Church. May the Lord Jesus speak the truth that we need to hear so that we can get away from the things we need to get away from and get into the things we need to get into. This morning, if you want to give your life to Jesus, you can do that. He gave his life for you, and he invites you to give your life to him, confessing your faith in him, wearing the gospel as your story, the good news that you have been saved from sin and from futility by his grace. Maybe this morning you just need the prayers of this church. However you need to respond, let's do that as we stand and worship together. There's a fountain free for you
this morning worshiping our father and let me just remind you the pcyg fajita fundraiser is going on right now and this has been a very supportive and generous church as regards to pcyg mission trips so if you have an opportunity to uh, have lunch and have a little fellowship please do that i'd also like to invite you back tonight at six o'clock as we continue our series on genesis and it's in parallel with uh, the ltc topic or study that's going on this year. And so Jacob will be bringing us a message from Genesis. If you will, read along the take-home verse from Jude chapter 1, 24 through 25, and we will be dismissed. Let's read. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Have a good day.